a lot to give you on the program, so let's go ahead and get it started with plenty of highlights from last night. The highlights weren't good at the beginning as the Bulls found themselves down 2 to nothing. Georgina Korik, of course, was fantastic on this night. This will be one of the very few times we don't give you any Georgina Korik highlights per se. We do replay the game. You can hear her nine strikeouts and no walks. However, on one of her strikeouts to start off the second inning, innocently enough, a rise ball got away from catcher Josie Foreman, and it put the runner on first base. Then a ball that was hit to third base that should have been uh, fielded cleanly instead was booted by Desiree Maldonado, and all of a sudden you have two runners on. But Corrick gets a second out on a strikeout, and then Illinois State stunned the crowd. Played umpire wanted to call it a strike, but it is indeed a ball of two and one, and Corrick doesn't complain. Oh, that's a changeup, and it's drilled to center field, and that's going to be a base hit, and that's going to give Illinois State a 2-0 lead. Could have been caught out there in center field, but Jordan Cadlub and Megan Sheehan, who have not played together on the field in those spots, kind of hesitated. Cadlub had a notion to lay out, but she just watched it instead, and it dropped for a two-RBI single. Might have even stunned the two dozen or so Illinois State fans that were in the crowd. Looked like the Bulls were going to answer right back. And again, Illinois State going to probably have some issues with pitching this year. They lost their top two pitchers from last season, and we're talking about standout throwers. So they were having to go with Hannah Ross as a starter. She threw all of seven and a third innings last year. And their only other returning pitcher, Amanda Fox, threw two-thirds of an inning last year. That's who the Bulls faced. So you figure they would score at some point. And it looked like the bottom of the second inning would be that point as Josie Foreman from down 0-2 worked a walk. Megan Piero put a ball in play. It was booted by the second baseman. But then Ross comes up with three straight strikeouts. So it kind of had a little bit of an uneasy feeling to it until the third inning and things changed around immediately. Alexis Johns, who would go three for four in this game, a bunt single, stolen base. Megan Sheehan, great to see her back in action. She got on base every single time. On an error in the first inning, she walked in this inning. Then the run started flowing in. Three and two. Now the Bulls had two on and nobody out in the last inning and struck out three times. So this is kind of a key pitch here on a full count. And she gets contact to the high chopper. Runners will advance. Rivera will be thrown out, but that does the trick. That is much better than a strikeout. Change up. Struck down the right field line. Base hit. One run will score. They're going to go ahead and hold up Sheehan. Right move. And Vivian Pond comes through the opposite way with an RBI single. And it's... Two to one, Illinois State. Took it the other way, solid as all get out contact. First baseman, technically Jefferson had a chance at it, but she might have lost a digit if she'd gotten a glove on that one. Freshman from Fort Myers, Alana Consolazio, pinch running. Oh, that ball is destroyed. That's gonna be a tie game, and it is going to give the Bulls the lead as Moffitt kept the ball in front of her but could not reach up and make a play on it in time to do anything but have the Bulls go ahead. Let's not overlook. Megan Sheehan getting on base with a walk. Duncan, you're down 2-0, you want to press and make things happen, but she took the pitches, and it was Rivera again on a full count for that chopper that advanced the runners. And now a wild pitch is going to advance the runners to third base. The crowd is. Really loving this surge by the Bulls. You can really tell the difference in the crowd support. Two RBI double officially for Josie Foreman. 
Falls the scorched RBI single by Viv Pond. Piero hits it to the left side. That will advance the runner. She is going to get thrown out, but an RBI ground out, and the Bulls extend their lead. So that wild pitch absolutely costs Illinois State, and credit Foreman for taking advantage by advancing to third base. So a lot of awesome things happening there, and the pawn blast to right field was a sure sign that what Ken Erickson saw was on display for everybody, and Pawn, being the designated hitter, is a player that has been a two-way player, but more pitcher than hitter, and it seems like she's going to be mostly hitter because she only had one RBI in her first two years, one, and yet she's the designated hitter on a team that has many options for that DH spot. Lydia Castro, Emma Humplick, a couple of freshmen that we didn't see last night, I bet you we see today, but Pawn definitely comes through and shows why Ken Erickson trusted her to be in that first spot. That was the interesting thing. You have all these new players that we're talking about, and yet none of them were in the starting lineup last night. And on the other side, even though they lost their top hitter and they had a lot of freshmen, only one non-returner was among their starting nine. It was actually their leadoff hitter. So Bulls take the 4-2 to lead. A slight sniff for Illinois State, though, to get back at it. Another error, and that was an issue on the night, but give the Redbirds credit for getting contact off of Corrick. And a single had them maybe in business to get right back in it in the top of the fourth. But then, change up. Maldonado gets it, steps on third for one. Over to first double play. Des Maldonado had a rough moment earlier in the game, but that was expertly done. A 5-3 double play wipes out the Illinois State Redbirds and the Bulls in the middle of this one maintain their lead at 4-2. to two. And the momentum carried right over into the bottom of the fourth. Here's the Bulls putting together three more runs. Back to the top of the order. Alexis Johns looks to start it strong. Gets it over to shortstop and another infield single. I tell you, Bryant made as good of a play on that as you possibly could at shortstop, but it just wasn't going to be in time to get the Bulls standout leadoff hitter. And that's the second walk. Megan Sheehan, she's been on base all three times. First and second, nobody out, and here's the part of the order that really sparked things for the Bulls in the last inning. Alana Rivera followed by Vivian Pond and Josie Foreman. That ball's through the right side and booted by the second baseman, and run will score for the Bulls, and it's 5-2. to two. Coming on around from second easily was Johns, and again, putting the ball in play. I think that could go down as a hit and an error. They're going to call that a straight double. That ball should have been staying in the infield. And it goes down as a double. The seventh hit of the day for USF. Foreman hits that one to the left side. Nicely speared by the third baseman. She goes home with it, but the catcher can't hang on. And the Bulls extend their lead to 6-2. It was a great play by Jefferson. It was the right play to go home with it. And I don't know if the catcher, Kennedy, would have been able to get that ball down and make the tag, but she didn't give us a chance to find out, and it's 6-2. to two. Bulls leading at 6-2. They've tacked on two runs here in the bottom of the fourth inning. Piero just checks her swing enough to get the ball in play. Oh, nice catch by the center fielder, and a run will score. Great job by both ends. Great catch by the center fielder, but also by Rivera of having the wherewithal to hold at third base. Of course, Ken Erickson is right there. And he is going to have a little bit of experience in that 
area. Game was pretty much decided at that point, but we got another offensive highlight to play for you because it is wonderful to see her back, Megan Sheehan. Chance to end this one quickly. Oh, and there's a good chance for that because it's stroke through the left field side of the outfield. Megan Sheehan's going to drive in. Two runs. What a return for Shishi. Megan Sheehan, a two RBI double. And the Bulls indeed are one run away from ending this. It's nine to two. And of course, especially as you've got three more games to play and it was starting to get chilly, you can't help but think one more run and this thing is over, unfortunately. Alan Rivera and Vivian Palm were both retired, but even though that meant the game would extend, it did lead to some nice moments. A lot of freshmen got into the lineup, and the Bulls got to use some other pitchers, uh, namely Aaron Pepping, who, of course, a full four-year starter for East Carolina, was their ERA leader her first three years, strikeout leader, all that stuff. Fell off a little bit last year, but remember, the Pirates just had a really, really rough stretch. She came on and walked her first batter after Cora Ketton walked anyone in five innings and then was down 2-0 but got it back, used a nice drop ball to get out of it, and so that was nice to see. And again, none of this would have happened if the Bulls had made it 10-2. It would have been over in five innings, but we got to see some more nice pitching moments to close out the game. Swung and a miss. Strike three. So both Bulls' new pitchers have gotten their first strikeouts, even though Aaron Pepping had plenty in her time at East Carolina, Antoinette Hill, that is her first collegiate strikeout. How about that? And Antoinette Hill will check out with her first collegiate strikeout. And now Cam Dolby indeed will come in. And boy, would it be something to see her. Doesn't have to be a strikeout, just get it out because she had a rough, and I mean rough season last year. But as we learn, she was pitching hurt. Boy, that was a nice looking pitch right there. Fastball, heart of the plate. Cam Dolby is one strike away from putting a close to this first game of the season. On a two pitch, did she check her swing? No, she did not. And Cam Dolby, what a great ending to this game. Last season was rough for Dolby, who had a fine freshman year at Boston College, led them in strikeouts, was a big strikeout pitcher in high school. It was 10-10 and 10 for a below 500 Boston College team. Then last year, her second year with the Bulls, Dolby, 32 innings, 8 strikeouts, 36 walks. She was just compensating for an injury and just didn't have control. Last night was in control, so that was really, trust me, a big moment. And Antoinette Hill spent two years at Purdue and only pitched one inning and didn't strike anyone out. So, wow. And we haven't even gotten to the big lefty that the Bulls are excited about. Again, I think we'll be seeing her today, if I had a guess, talking about Peyton Dixon. Today is the Bulls. Going up against Kansas City, more on that in a second. Alexis Johns, not only three for four, but three runs and two steals. Megan Sheehan and Josie Foreman and Megan Piero all drive in two runs. Piero, without a hit, she also had a sacrifice fly, as you heard in there, along with that sack bunt. Corrick, in those five innings, just needed 88 pitches. I'm guessing the plan is to not throw her today because the Bulls play Michigan Saturday and the Gators on Sunday. Today against Kansas City, the Roos last year were an above 500 team, 29 and 26. They were 11 and 13 in Summit League play. Michigan is ranked 13th in the country. That's who the Bulls play at 3:30 on Saturday. They went 38 and 8 last year. They fell to Washington in the regionals going out there and playing a team with one of the best pitchers in the country. Michigan has Lexi Blair, who hit 406 last year 
and was the Big Ten Player of the Year. They also have a strong pitcher, Megan Bobin. Now, here's where scheduling comes into play. And I wonder if this was a coincidence. The Bulls play Michigan right after Michigan plays Florida. So I wonder who the Wolverines are going to use against the Gators. Now, it's not like they don't have any other pitchers, but let's go ahead and give you the full schedule. Four games today. Early morning, Kansas City against Michigan at 10. 12.30 scheduled time, Michigan plays Illinois State. Wolverines done for the day. 3 o'clock is when we're supposed to go on the air. I'm going to guess it might be pushed back a little bit, but who knows, as the Bulls play Kansas City. And then after that, it is the Gators for their first game of the weekend against Illinois State. Saturday, the Gators keep on playing. They play the first one against Kansas City at 10.30 in the morning. Then Florida and Michigan, the two ranked teams in this event, at 1 o'clock. Then it's the Bulls against Michigan, 3.30. Again, I'll be back on the air with that one. And then the last one of Saturday features Illinois State and Kansas City. Two games Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Michigan and Kansas City sticking around before they leave town. And then it's the Bulls against the Florida Gators at noon. Now, that noon game... Again, the Gators, the highest-ranked team in the field, ranked fifth in the country. Bulls know all about them as they took them down at the regional level last year, although both games were very competitive. Got away from the Bulls in the second game towards the end. But that game will be on Bulls Unlimited 2. Technically, it could be over before the women's basketball pregame starts at 145, but we don't want to take that chance. So Jay Retro will be on the call at noon Sunday on Bulls Unlimited 2. 